And I'm convinced now, after going through it, that it's not as hard as everyone says. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. It was just me this week. Serm couldn't make it. He's playing in a charity scramble. Hope he's doing well. But guys, in case you're new and your golf game is off the rails and you're sick of riding that struggle bus, you come to the right place, especially this episode. Okay. We help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with anyone from a PJ tour pro to an NFL legend like today with Danny Woodhead. And guess what? Now he's a plus four handicap. He was a five handicap not that long ago. So a ton, a ton of nuggets to get into this episode. Guys, you are in for an absolute treat. The guy played for 10 years in the NFL, was the top rated rusher in high school in Nebraska, didn't get taken or given a scholarship by Nebraska. One of the best running backs in D2 football, didn't even get invited to the combine and went undrafted. This pattern kept coming up. But guess what? He didn't let that get him down. He used it as fuel. And his mindset today, I think, is world class. It's no, it's it's no mistake how he went from a five to a plus four. And you guys are really in for a treat. We talk about football, we talk about golf. We're definitely going to have to have Danny back. That was a really special conversation. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So if you like this episode, do us a solid hop aboard the email list thepartrain.com. We send an email every Monday, a nugget, thought, or insight that we are pondering that'll help your mental game. Hop aboard our YouTube channel at The Partrain, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at The Partrain as well. We post tips and tricks and musings, and is that a word, musings? Um, thoughts, reflections, um, and things we learn from the show every day, multiple times a day on those platforms. So hop aboard all those channels, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're seeing. Enjoy the ride. Take care. My man, Danny Woodhead, welcome aboard the train, my man. We're pumped to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad we could uh, nail this down. For some reason, my schedule doesn't always... Usually, I'm pretty free, but I feel like we've been kind of going back and forth, and it's always yeah. my fault. So It's uh, all I'm good, glad, you know? I'm, I'm glad we figured it out. It was meant to be for today. All those was, other times. No doubt. Yeah. Well, I'm pumped to have you. Um, I love getting athletes from other sports. Obviously now golf is, you know, your main thing athletically, but yeah. I love getting athletes from other sports because I love drawing parallels from the mental side of just what, what helps you, what gets in your way. And hopefully we can help that average 10 handicap to the aspiring pro that listens. So my first question for you, I always like to start off with something a little bit more fun. What was a bigger hit? to the ego was it going undrafted after you set so many records in college or was it overhauling your golf swing and hitting your driver 100 yards at one point oh gosh bro like what really I, struck I, you more to your core i would say the undrafted at the time right i mean because man like that's that's what I had done. That's what I have. I had known. And I wanted it to be a career. Right. You know? So like that was hard to take because I didn't feel like, um, I don't want to say I didn't feel like I could do more, but I felt like hopefully my career had spoke for itself. And 
then when they questioned what school I went to, that my 40 and my vertical and my bench and my agility and all that was going to speak just as loud and match up with the tape. For some reason, it didn't happen. And that's okay. Like, man, my story, like, I wouldn't want it any other way. I, yeah. I really wouldn't. Like, are there times things would have been maybe easier? Sure. If I was drafted, you know. But the thing is, like, it also, that's kind of what made my career my career. I mean, that's what made my college career my career is when I didn't get a D1 offer from Nebraska. Um, right. When they told me no and told me I was too small. Man, I truly believe that everything, and, and I believe everything happens for a reason too. I, mm-hmm. Man, I'm a man of faith. That's what drives me more than anything is my faith. And I trust that God's plan is way better than mine. I, I trust yeah. that. Um, but it also, if, if we look at it in another lens, it's a pretty sick story that God had for my life. Like yeah. when it comes to, man, he, he was a Nebraska player of the year, but we're not, he's not going to get a scholarship offer. Yeah. He was the division two player of the year twice, but he's not going to get a combine invite. Right. He ran a, in the four threes and had a 38 and a half inch vert, but he's not going to get drafted. And mm-hmm. and it's just, it was like a th- time after time. And I really believe it was a story that was meant to play out like that. Mm-hmm. So that was hard. Like, I mean, that all all of all of that was difficult, but it's exactly how it was supposed to be. Yeah. I, I I go to the golf game and I, I retire and have to literally, like you said, break down my swing because I could I go out and have fun with the my pals and stuff and shoot in the seventies or whatever. Maybe randomly get hot and shoot one under. Yeah. I probably could have, mm-hmm. um, but I was going to be a high seventies golfer probably. Um, not that there's anything bad with that, but yeah, I was like, when I retired, I told my wife, I want to get as good as I can at this. Like I just, I want to get good. So what happens? Well, if you have a sucky golf swing, not even a sucky golf swing, but something that wasn't efficient, mm-hmm. you got to redo it. If you, if you actually have any sort of, desire to compete at some sort of high level well i need something efficient to do that i can't i can't live off of being 10 of 14 getting up and down that's not gonna help you yeah and and that's what i was always able to do i was always able to get up and down because i had good hands and could just figure things out Mm -hmm. it was the one it was so hard though um reconstructing my swing i hit the ball nowhere i felt like many times i didn't know how to hit the golf ball and it was like just a progression it was five years it's been five years and and i still don't feel like i have it figured out man like yeah there's there's some days i go out to the range i i'm at that point i was like a probably a five-ish or something. Now I'm like get close to plus four. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel the same way at plus four than I felt at five. Really? I feel, bro, there's so many times 
I feel like I don't have a clue how to hit the ball. It's, it's shocking the, to me. It's it's the funniest thing. I mean, is that a lie? Yes. Like I can't hit the ball. It's just like you just keep getting better. And it's it makes me think that the guys on tour have to have that same feeling. Like if they're kind of in a rut. Now, right. when I've been grooving it, man, yeah, it's different than five years ago. But right. like if I'm just like struggling and it's probably something stupid like alignment or like about 99% of the time it's alignment. And, but, it, but it's funny because that chase that I had when I was hitting hundred yard drives or 150 yard drive, a duck hook off the planet, I feel the same way because I keep chasing it. And the thing that's so great about golf is there's besides like probably tiger. I think everyone feels that way. It's just your level of play goes way up. Like think of some of those pros think of like, there's a lot of guys. It's like, gosh, I've missed two, three cuts in a row. It's like even like the, the dogs of the tour. Right. And they probably are like, I have no idea. Or even like JT this year, I'm sure there are times he was pretty frustrated or like I am lost. Right. But it's just now I can feel lost and still shoot one under par. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can feel like I like today I played today. I felt like it was as bad as I've hit my irons in ever. And I'm plus two. Like, what does that, what does that mean? Defi like, describe what hitting your irons bad translates to actually. Well, well, yeah. So like the thing is more than anything, is like, I'm not giving myself like I'm missing, I'm missing greens. I'm missing like on shots that I should not miss greens hit the drive. I pounded driver today. And, and it just gets frustrating when you're 130 yards and you hit it spinny into the wind. And next thing you know, you're in a bunker and you have a fried egg. It was like, mm, yeah, just like unforced, hey, unforced, yeah. silly errors, short sided. Yeah. That type of stuff. Or, or today, like I pound driver and I'm greenside. Like it was, it's a, it's a big dog leg and it's incredibly risky. You have to go over tons of trees. I'm like, I'm hitting it fine. You know, and if you're in a game, I mean, you want the advantage. Well, I'm yeah. into the grain. I'm kind of in an uncomfortable situation and I don't get up and down for birdie or I'm on a part. The next par five, I obliterate a drive and I have 170, I, I think 175 in and I completely miss it. Lay the sod and I'm short and then I don't get up and down for birdie. Like it's stuff like that. That's just like, I yeah. am a moron. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you, do you like, is it true? You hit it around three 30. I mean, if I, if I go after it, if I'm just like trying to chip it around, no, but like, I mean, I, I feel like Rick was being kind, but if I'm hitting it good, yes, I'm it's, it's more three fifteen, three thirty. Can I go over three thirty? Yeah. Okay. But, but like, but people would like, be shocked to hear that you're five, eight and you can hit it. I mean, Rory isn't big either, but that's your point about efficiency, right? I I've read, yeah. you tell me if this is true. I read, you said you used to be very lateral where you'd shift, right? All lateral sh shift left. Yep. And you didn't, you learned how to swing around your body. 
Yeah. And is so that I, how you define efficiency and, and how yes, you got speed? Yes. And, and it's, so yes, I mean, I was, I feel like I'm I, probably lateral. I just I think of my weight shift left, right. I was incredibly lateral and I just kind of lifted the arms. I wish I could show you what I, I'm, I, I am going to show you a little bit. Yeah, you could try. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you were just going off my swing, I would be in place and you can't see it now, but my hips aren't doing anything. And I was yeah. just like this. Now I get, I try, I mean, I know everyone, everyone's talking about right hip depth, left, lead arm depth, but I mean, there's some truth to it also, because if, if you want to leave room to get shallow, I mean, there is some truth to it. Now mm -hmm. there, there's, there's some different teach. There's so many different teachers nowadays, right? Like there's, there's just like you have the Genkis, you have, what is it? Jeff Smith in Vegas. You have, you have Como. You have, like there's so many guys and they're all good and they're all really good at what they do. Bender, Bender's completely different than, I mean, the way he teaches, it's a lot different. But what I think of a lot of times is, and I don't want any slides. So I will try to get my arms. Or, so this is my turn now is I'm going like this, where it used to be like this. So mm. like I'm getting left arm depth, obviously. And I wish you could see, but like I'm getting right hip depth too. It got mm. to the point though, where I was trying to get too much depth and I had to tighten it up this year. And I just kind of figured out, I was watching something on Matthew Wolf and he was talking about, yeah, I go up on my left toes a little bit because it gets, it gets my hip hips to open a little bit more. And I was like, huh. I used to do that a lot until I was trying to tighten things up because what do you do when you, when you, when you're in golf and you try to do something differently, you go overboard, right? Yeah. So I'm tightening everything. I'm not hitting it as far. Just in the past weeks, nah, I'm just opening the hips with the driver. I don't care. I'm going to keep it tight with the irons. With my driver, I'm going. And when mm -hmm. I do that, I hit it straighter. And it just, yes. Yeah, so, I swing around the body now much more. Are there is that I feel like crap and I start sliding a little? Yes, but say this is where your hip is. You, you, if anything, say my this finger is the hip, my mm -hmm. my left finger or whatever it looks like there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to push this at all when I'm rotating. Mm. I used to do this, boom. So like my hips would be out. And then what happens? Oh, it just promotes over the top central, you know, yeah. and yeah. not even over, but just like, cause there's some over the top that you can still, but like, it's also incredibly steep mm -hmm. over the top and steep. You can kind of over the top and still get shallow. I mean, there's all, all different matchups with different grips, different, whatever, but I would get to the point where I was just trapping everything and yeah. like hitting it lower than low. And I couldn't do anything. And I just like, there was just, I was never going to get good, man. Like, yeah. I mean, good's relative, but I'm saying good, better, right? From mm -hmm. what I was. And if I wanted to get better, I needed to be more efficient. I needed to learn how to rotate because I don't care any of the teachers that teach. They still want you to rotate. They may teach it differently, but they still, you, you, you still have to have some rotation. It doesn't just like, and just sliding over sliding back and that's what i did and i was trash man i sucked mm. and 
And now I just feel like I've giving my, I've given my, it's more so like this was my ceiling and I was about at the ceiling and I, I just put the ceiling way up higher. Well, this is so fascinating to me and we rarely dive into the swing, so I won't spend yeah, too sorry, much time. I, no, but this is good because yeah. I think everyone's going to want to know, like, how did you go from casually playing being a six or a five and then now you're yeah. plus four after you've been retired? So I think people are interested. The thing that I'm trying to figure out is when I hear around the body, for someone yeah. like me that's a seven yep, and my Achilles heel is I take it in with an open face and I can't figure out how to have a square. Like, yeah, I saw your backswing for guys that have the face facing the sky. I don't know how that, how that happens. So when I hear around the body to yeah. me, that just feels more inside more open. And so I bet you, I go lateral because it's the only way that I feel like I can get the club more vertical. Does well, that make and sense? Your, yeah. And your feel versus real bro. So right. like your feel is you're like my club face is square right when it's wide open right whereas so myself i have a strong grip and i i'm not quite bowed but like there's times where i'm bow and what what i think of when i'm in my swing on the way back cuz i want and i still and i still get it open sometimes i mean that's yeah. going to happen a little bit with a strong grip right. because it's going to kind of promote a little bit of a cup but i don't want i personally don't want that Mm-hmm. I would rather be strong and neutral, like neutral ish or flat wrist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what happens is when I go back, I try to keep, so like I keep like this, I try to feel like my left arm below stays your right internal though. Okay. So what that does, it's, it's not gonna, but like, I want the feeling that this left arm is going this way. What does that promote? It promotes a a closed club face, you think. But it's really for people not on video. I think what you're saying is left forearm facing the sky as long as possible. That's what I try. And I mean, you don't want to overdo it just like anything in everything in the world. Yeah. But I try to keep it. That's my thought. It could be something with your right hand, but everyone's feels different. What I try to do is I try to keep what my feel is, is the golf the golf club is closed. I used to do probably what you do and you, you get it pretty open and I can mm-hmm. still do that sometimes. And there's certain shots that I want to, but mm-hmm. I'll be honest with my three wood. I go pretty cupped. I don't know why I, I, I go pretty cupped and I go, I take it inside. I have a strong grip and I feel like I'm just going to swing. I, I feel like I swing inside to out with my three wood. Hmm. Are there some people that say that's stupid? Sure. I don't care. But if it works for me, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But so like what I think of is keep it closed, keep it closed because closed when you rotate now it's closed. If you, if you laterally shift, it's going to be freaking closed. Right. Right. But if, but if you getting depth and whatever, and you feel like it's closed, you're actually keeping it square. Right. Interesting. So it's, 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 it's kind of a, so we might, deal. I had to get through that though. Yeah. No, that sounds like it. And most people don't want to get through that. Most people, if they're hitting it a hundred yards would be like, put me back to whatever I had. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is if you want to get better, better, 
there might be some suck along the way. There's going to be some good stuff that happens because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I've never felt a golf shot like that. Right. But when you do feel the good shots, you're like, okay, I can keep doing this. And then you have to be willing to do the stuff that most people won't do. I don't know how many times in my room, in my in my bedroom, I pick up a golf club and I just get in front of the mirror. I just do mirror stuff and I just look. Mm-hmm. I take it to to each stage, like parallel, you know, to the ground or um, P one, P two. There's all these. I, I'm sure you've heard the lingo, and yeah. it's like um, lead arm parallel, yada yada yada, and I just look. And I still, I'll be honest, I still suck it inside sometimes, but that's my way of getting depth. And, and it looks really sucked in too, because I have the strong grip. So sometimes if I do open the face, it's going to be sucked in. If I keep it closed, it's actually not the club faces. The club head's going to stay in front of your hands a little bit. I feel like that's what makes golf unlike any other game. There's no other game that you could look in the mirror, do a feel. It looks exactly how you'd hope. And then the second you go full speed, it goes right back to whatever you've done before. It's like, how can I do something like that? And it's in the perfect position and it's matching my spine angle. And then the second I swing full speed at the range, it goes way inside. It it blows my mind. Well, and people crave results right away. Yeah. So they're like, well, I want to hit it good. And it's like, well, just, just do this. And you might hit it like crap a little bit, but. The feel versus real is the biggest thing. It's like, well, I, that's not how it's going to be. Yeah, It's going to be closed. It's like, eh, right. it, it probably isn't. Right. Just just for a couple days or say in the, the winter months that are not, I mean, you guys can play golf forever out there, but still like you just, you just be like, all right, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get better. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to, stick to this, stick to whatever. And the other thing is too, I've seen so many different swings. Some people, a lot of people's swings look a lot more beautiful than mine. I know that. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Some people think Jim Furyk's swing looks funny or Matthew Wolf's swing looks funny, but it's incredibly good. They both get it to such a good position. A lot of people have been sliding into our DMs on Instagram asking me if this Regenix hair system actually works. And I tell them, guys, hand over heart. I was paying for Regenix myself two plus years ago. And I reached out to them because it's helped me so much. I wanted to be able to help you guys. And the answer is absolutely yes, it works. And it's a total system tailored to you. There's actually no system out there that's proven to grow hair back. What Regenix does is they cleanse and clean your follicle, which strengthens the follicle, helps the hair grow, but also thickens the hair that you already have and stops any thinning from having from exactly where you are now. So it's a full system that is tailored to you. They actually do follicle analysis and then send you new treatments based on how your hair is doing. So go to Regenix.com. Enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off their starter kit. DM me with any questions, but if you're sick of worrying about how your hair looks or you feel like it's not manly or masculine to try and prevent your hair thinning from happening, I'm giving you permission. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to take care of your hair. 
and feel good about yourself. So go to Regenix.com, enter the code TRAIN, and get 15% off that starter kit and start feeling like your best self on and off the course. All right, let's get back to the show. Let me ask you this. We might jump around a little bit. Yeah, that's um, fine. But I do think that this is important so that people have context of you as a person and and how your mind works. So we talked about undrafted versus the drive stuff. And also yeah. that not being invited to the combine to me is even crazier than maybe getting undrafted because it's like, just let them compete. But right. does that, did that drive you? Cause you, you referenced it. Cause like Brady, who you played with, obviously he let that kind of, he talked about it, drove his whole chip on his shoulder career of when he got drafted. Did that drive you or was it like, I guess the question is, was the mindset to prove others wrong or were you confident regardless of what other people gave you because of your trust in the way things would unfold and you wanted to prove yourself right? Which one drove you more? I think it's a com- combination. Okay. Um, but did you ever lose confidence or have doubt or you always believed? I, I had doubt in the process of the NFL. Of getting there's in, a lot basically. a lot of a lot of people don't know this, but there's a lot of people that haven't played in the NFL or never played in the NFL that were in camps that were whatever, but they weren't drafted. They didn't have guaranteed money. They didn't have whatever that probably should have been playing in the NFL for five, six years. Hmm. But if you don't have there's more politics in the NFL than there is in high school football. And people don't know that. Hmm. It's sad because there's a lot of money at stake. But there's a lot of people, and I'm not naming names, but there's egos, and they don't want to look bad if they selected someone and then something else, they placed something else and they wasted money. That's just, that's the NFL, man. It's a business. Like the one person that's really good at it is Bill Belichick, and he doesn't care. He will say he's wrong, he'll just, and he'll say he's wrong by releasing people that he drafted high. And he does an amazing job at that. A lot mm. of other people, it's hard for them to admit. It's like, yeah. if you could admit, not like if a lot of people could just admit they made a mistake by moving on from people, they probably win a lot more games. But they don't They do not do that. So I would say I never was, I didn't lose confidence. It was more so, am I going to get an opportunity? And did I... Yes, motivation. There was a lot of motivation. I got released in 2010 by the New York Jets, and I felt like it was clear that I was the third running back on the roster and not the fourth, which gets you released. Mm -hmm. In camp and everything, um, I made the team for one week, and then they released me. And... I still remember to this day, I felt like I was a charity case when I came in, when they released me and they're like, yeah, that was uh and I think they probably thought no one was going to pick me up. So they're like, ah, oh, we can just keep going on and off the roster. And I'm not going to name names. Cause I just, that's not what I want to do. I'm not here to, I'm not mad at any of them, mm-hmm. but there were people in the building. I'm not saying coaches, not saying front office, there were human beings in the building and there were more than one. They're like, I think it was two. And they're like, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You live out your dream and 
It was really cool. And it's like 30 second time out here, homies. Like last time I checked, I'm not retiring. Right. Like what you're saying to me is that I'm done. Yeah. And this was in my third year. And I was like, I, I was <laughs> leading up to that, that during that camp, I was like, I'm going to do everything I can that they can't release me that they cannot release me. And I thought I had done enough. Well, they released me everything in me. And this is not to hate on any human beings. I wanted to make them look so dumb. I wanted to make them look like they had no idea what they were doing. And not that I did or didn't, but I was very fortunate to get picked up in New England and do very well. And yeah, it was so I I definitely have been motivated by negative talk about me or not belief in me. And you know, I've I've probably even taken that a little bit now into my next little venture of golf. Yeah. Well, do you think that there's a fine line? Uh, Because everybody's tried out for a team, whether it was high school, little league, or the pros. And sometimes tryouts can make you feel super tentative because the result's right there, right? It's either you're you're trying to make the team, you were trying to prove to them not to release you, but there's also an offensive side of it, of like versus tentativeness. How did you fight against... Cause it's gotta be really easy to play tentative when your livelihoods yeah. on the line. How did you stay offensive? I would think that probably translates to your golf today, but was that important to figure oh. out a way to stay offensive? I mean, yeah, because if, if you're not offensive, if you're tentative, especially in football, you're going to get hurt hmm. or you are not going to be able to make a play. What I wanted to do is like, Hey, I'm going to give every effort that I have, man. I am so thankful and I know that God gave me like talents, like speed, agility, hand-eye coordination. It would be wrong of me not to do my best with the gifts that I've been given. Like in anything, anything in life, but like that was my lane. Football was my lane. Right. So like it was it was my job to do the best that I could do with what I had. So like why why leave anything off the table? Like do everything you can on every play. And I will say this, that year I was just trying to, I was, I was after every play, I, was a, I haven't told a lot of people this after every single play that year. Cause I knew they wanted to cut me just cause I was a small little running back. from. Yeah. Yep. I just knew that like they're going to try to cut me. And I made it a point. I remember I was in a, I was in a dorm room in Cortland, New York. Cause that's where train camp was. And I was like, I had a come to Jesus moment, like with God, I was like, yeah, I'm going to probably be teaching here. And that, cause that's what I went to school for. And I made it a point that ever after every play, I was going to like, thank God for, you know, just the opportunity and give him the glory. And I remember getting mowed over by a 300 pounder. I got back to the huddle and I thanked God. And I said, okay, I'm very thankful that 
I'm in this situation and I get to use my talents, even though I just got blown up here. Mm-hmm. And it changed kind of my outlook. And man, I did everything I could on every single play. I was on the offensive every single play. Does that mean everything went well? No, I, I got blown up, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was something that I made it a point that that's what I was going to do. And I ended up making the team, playing week one, getting cut the next day. It, when we were at the Jets, every year, like Eric Trump had like a, a charity get together and like tournament, golf tournament. Mm-hmm. I got cut at the tournament. So no that way. sucked. So I wasn't happy doing something I loved, golf. And then I get I get the call while I'm out on like the third hole. That was not fun. Did you stay and play? No, I left. You left. I was so mad. I'm like, I'm out of here. Get me wow. out of here. And and I and I got cut. And then things ended up working out incredibly. So yes, I I stayed on the offensive. If you do if you if you do anything tentatively. I think it's just going to suck. If you do yeah. in now that with the uh, the business that I run with my best friend, if we're tentative, we're going to suck. Yeah. Like I just feel like anything if you're not on the offensive, the only thing that you probably maybe a surgeon, right? Like you have to be slower and get but like most things as long as you give it your all, it's probably going to work out in the best. Yeah. Well, it's funny because not, not everybody might, not everybody's religious, right? Not everybody has a relationship yeah, with something for sure. Than themselves. But I think what will apply to everyone is you basically found a way to trust that you're where you're supposed to be and you maintained belief in what you do and you just kept giving it your best versus it seems like you stayed out of ego a lot uh, in your football career where yeah. you didn't try, you weren't trying to, to not fail. You were grateful for every opportunity. You were open to letting things unfold as they, however they will. And you're going to show up with your full self, regardless of what happens. That honestly, Danny is how most high performing golfers talk about their rounds of golf is they let whatever happens unfolds kind of like chess. Like you get backed into a corner. What's my best move here? Okay. I'm here. Where should I hit this shot so that I have the best chance here? Okay. I'm going to give myself a look. I might not make it. I might make this putt, but I have to give myself a look. Where's the best part of the green I can go. And it's just like this constant chipping away of not getting overly ahead of yourself, not getting overly frustrated, being excited for the challenge as cliche as it sounds, but that's kind of how yeah. the pros play golf. Yeah. And in the, and the thing is too, like, it's amazing what a little bit of gratitude will do to your day. Not even golf. Yeah. Right. Like I, I dealt with plenty of stuff when I retired of like anxiety and whatever. And I remember what I would do when I got to that, obviously I had my faith, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I leaned on. If you don't like, okay, fine. Yep. But you can still be thankful for things. Everyone has things to be thankful for. Um, even people so that gratitude have their, helped your anxiety. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, there's plenty of things 
in life that suck for everyone. And there might be a little more suck for someone else. Well, mm-hmm. focus on the things that you are thankful for. Like, oh, like this sounds stupid, but it's like, man, I'm so thankful that I have a roof o- over my head. And if it rains, I'm protected and yeah. I'm not getting wet. It sounds so dumb. I, it was small things like that. I was like, man, I'm so thankful for electricity. There's people that don't have electricity. Yeah. Like, I am thankful for that. I am. But then it's like, you go, you go in those first world things. It's like, man, I'm so thankful for air conditioning. Well, what traps did you fall into when you felt, when you went to anxiety? What led um, to the anxiety? I don't, I think it was just like, so it was after I retired, I wanted to retire. That's what's even weirder. Like I wanted to retire. I think it was just change. Sometimes mm-hmm. when people have changed, man, I played 10 years of football in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I had four years in college. I had four years in high school. So I had 18 years of kind of doing the same thing my whole life. Yeah. So it could be like anyone that has, I don't know, like a job, like for 10 years and then they get a new job and it's like, they love it and they're excited, but they might have, it might just feel off. Cause it's like a different routine. Right. And you, it's almost like a new normal. Like you've had this normal, I had a normal for 18 years. Well, when I retired, I needed a new normal. I had to figure something out. I can't, I'm not for the last 10, for those last 10 years, I was just trying to keep a job. Guess what, Danny, you don't have to be paranoid that every person in the world's going to fire you. Mm. You know, was it, did it feel like that for all 10 oh. years? I would say, so I knew after you have a big signing bonus or a new contract, you know, you're staying for that year, but I still, bro, I was in year nine, year 10. I always felt like, and this is why I'm so thankful I was undrafted. It kind of got unhealthy probably at times, but I felt like everyone was always out to get me. Mm. Like, I just felt like, oh, they're trying to replace me. And that, I mean, I kept my edge. Yeah. I mean... Well, that's a totally I, different mindset than being the first round pick where you could be clouded and weighed you can down do by whatever expectations, you want. right? Yeah. Or do you think it, that it I think frees I think for, them up? I I think some of them free them up. Some of them they're worried. See, everyone's personality is different. Right. For me, I don't care. Like if if there's tons of expectations, great. Guess what? If I don't succeed in those expectations, I don't care. Because, like, I'm not working for, let's say, your expectations of me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you think because your expectations don't matter to me. Because at the end of the day, this is a job. I play football. I go home. I have four little kids that love me. I have a wife that loves me. I don't have to worry about all these expectations. Like, That's, but that's my personality. Some people who are in maybe like a people pleasing, like that's kind of their personality. That's hard. Yeah. For me, I didn't care. Football was not me. It was what I did. It it, just like golf. I love golf. It's not who I am. I'm not recognized as Danny, the golfer. I hope I'm recognized as Danny, the friend or Danny, the, um, the brother you know what I'm saying? Danny, mm-hmm. the dad, I, I, I want to be that's, and that's kind of what I'm, I hope I'm always recognized as hopefully people thought I was good at football, right? Like that'd be cool. You know, everyone wants to be successful at what they do. Yeah. 
but like i i don't want to be defined by that i don't want to be identified as danny the football player i just don't yeah. i hope it's more like oh that's that's my friend danny he's a good dude yeah. And if you want to talk about what I did in my previous career, great. I'll talk. I'll talk all day with you about it. Yeah. If that's what if that's what you want to, if you want to get to know me as a human being, great. I'm also going to get to know you. So you better be ready for me to ask you questions. But like I don't, I don't, I never have wanted to be that is not my identity. And when that's my identity, things can get kind of rough because when i did go it home, ever become your identity at times did it ever get sucked in man and and i th- i think this is kind of because of how i was raised but first and foremost no matter what at the end of the day and i know this sounds cliche or not cliche but i know some people are like well that's not true i a hundred percent of the time am god's child before i am anything else mm-hmm not a golfer, not a football player, not a, a business owner. Like that's that's how I see myself as. Mm-hmm. If other people see myself as something else, fine. I don't care. Cause that's that's not what my identity is. Mm. My identity is I'm I'm a child of God. Now, was football my occupation? Yeah. No doubt. Like did did that take up a lot of my time? Yes. Because I wanted to be great at it. But at the end of the day, that's not who I was. I wasn't Danny Woodhead, the running back for the San Diego Chargers or the New England Patriots. Like, that's not who I was. Now, am I going to give you all of my effort? Yes. Because yeah. every single thing that I that I do, I'm going full speed ahead. Like, I am... I am going to do everything I can. I was a third down back slash like change of pace. My goal was I wanted to be the best teammate, but I wanted to be the best third down back change of pace back that I could be. And hopefully one of the best in the league. I don't know if there's anybody out there that has not been able to play golf because of injury. Luckily for me, it's only happened. I can really only think of a couple times I strained my upper back. And I could barely even sit up out of bed years ago. And I just remember counting down the days until I could play golf again. And it really made me appreciate. I'll never forget the time I went to the driving range for the first time in probably around seven weeks. And it was just being able to hit balls pain-free was just the greatest feeling ever. Now, here's something that I think is important. A lot of people wait until they get hurt to start rehabbing or thinking about taking care of themselves, I actually think we should start paying attention to how stiff we are. To me, if our body is stiff, we are more susceptible to getting hurt. Stiffness could be the sign of injury on its way. So what I like to do is I don't want to grunt as I bend over to pick up the ball out of the hole because you know I just drained that putt or um, lining up my putt or wincing after I swing the driver. I want to feel loose and I want to feel ready. There's enough variables going on in the golf course. I don't want my body and stiffness and pain to get in the way. So I got something for you. I got a solution. You go to pliability.com slash partrain. You drop your email in there and you'll get two weeks free of the number one pliability app that's got hundreds 
of stretching and mobility videos that really only take five to 10 minutes. And you do that before going to play golf, or really you should do it every day. Keep your body loose, keep it fresh so that you can play your best golf out there. You're using this podcast to get your mind right. Let's get your body right too, okay? Pliability.com slash partrain. Throw your email on that on the landing page. You'll get a link. That link will download the app for you and give you two weeks free total access. You guys are going to love it. Pliability is the leader in mobility and the app's awesome. So enjoy. You but see how you like took a role that you were given and you tried to make the most out of that versus feeling because it probably would have been easy. You're in the NFL. You know how many people want to be in the NFL to be like, God, I wish I got more snaps or I wish I didn't have to fight for my job as hard. Or I wish I was given a bigger extension. Like you yeah. can always find something to be frustrated with if you're placing your identity and your worth against the thing you don't have, right? For sure. And and were there times that I did that? Yes. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. All right. This back. is the, this is what you got. Yeah. That you you're. Maybe, I love that line. This is what you, you got. That works yeah, for everything. It, it does, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna control what I can control. If I control what I can control really well, it's not going to matter, man. It just, it isn't like everything that I do. If I do my best at what I can control, then things are usually going to work out. If I try to go out and do things that I can't control, probably not going to work because I can't control it. Right. So what do you focus to, what do you focus on controlling? Let's go through your golf a bit because I want people to really, I love trying to pick out these nuggets of like, obviously going, becoming a plus four. I'm just, I still can't believe that you've, you can feel that uncertain being a plus four. I think everyone who's listening thinks a plus four, like has utmost confidence in every time where the ball is going, what they're doing. You've qualified for, you know, in us mid-am qualifiers, you've gotten close to making the us open. Like, so you're playing in your high stakes things now. This is your new thing. Yeah. How, w- walk me through how you w- mentally go through a round. What do you control? What do you focus on? What is your routine? And how do you not get in your own way? Man, I try to stay super present. I really do. Um, and is that by observing what- your surroundings and noticing the trees and noticing stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean some like before, before tournaments and whatever. I mean, I'll take like in a practice round, I'll take notes of where I don't want to be, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's just I think smart golf, <laughs> like just right. knowing where to be, where not to be, yada yada yada. But like, dude, I know some days I'm not gonna have it. I know some days I'm not gonna have it. I just do just like everyone, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I try not to overreact. Like, I mean, I may say something like, Oh, you're an idiot, Danny, move on to the next, you know, but like I take it a shot at a time. All right. What do I want to do here? What do I want to do here? And I try to stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then if I hit a bad shot, which this is, this is more important than anything. 
okay, Danny, like, where are we? And, and I'm, I'm aggressive. I play, I play golf pretty aggressive. Aggress, aggressive ish. I play aggressive to my, I mean, it's a little decade ish, but I play aggressive to my target. Right. Yeah. Cause if I don't, then I, next thing you know, I hit a weak one right out to the right and it's just dead and it's right. 20 yards short or whatever. Yeah. But what I try to do, man, there's so many times in a round and for some reason I've been sucking terribly on the front nine this year. I don't know why in tournaments, it's just been really mm. stupid, but that's like a challenge to me, man. Like, okay, you're three over. How do you get this back to even? How do you get this to one under? Like, what are you going to do? So what I try to do is I try to like chill out, take a deep breath and figure things out. If I hit a terrible shot, I'm in trees. Okay, Danny, let's, let's hit it to a spot. Cause I'm saying like, you can't get on the green on a par four. Okay. Let's hit it to a spot that, you know, you can get it within 15 feet for par. So what are you doing? You're taking double completely out of the equation. A hundred percent. You're taking double, but like if you put it within 15 feet, but if you're like 50, 60 yards, there's actually a good chance you could hit it inside that. You can hit eight feet, whatever. Well, your, your odds go way up of making it. And if you're a relatively decent putter, and then the thing is you make that your confidence goes through the roof. If you miss it, you didn't take double. Right. Like when there, there, yes, there's a way like, Winning is a five because that par four in your head, you turn it into a par five. You're like, okay, mm. let's find a way to do this. And then don't overreact. It's like, okay, next shot. Let's find a way to get back on track. Just something within the realm of the world. So then you can get the next green in regulation. Like so many people beat themselves up and think they should be putting for birdie every hole. That's just not real. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's it's not real. Like, would it be great? Yes, I would love that. But it's it's not real. And it's how do you just kind of stay stay steady? Well, I'll tell you what. Like, I understand that I'm not Tiger Woods. I I get it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't like you can still in in him. He still missed greens. Like so many people, and it's it's hard for me so I, w- I went to school to be a teacher and a coach mm-hmm. and i so want the people that i play with unless i'm playing a game with them i want them to succeed i mm-hmm. really do like there's nothing better than playing with like my little brother or my brother-in-laws and they're like 15s right mm-hmm. there's nothing better to me than seeing them like play well and almost shoot 70s like they just you know catch yeah. catch catch fire or something And it's always when they have one shot. How many times do people that are 10, 15 handicaps have one shot that they hit bad and then they're just so mad. Then they stub a chip and then they three putt. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's a a double bogey, triple bogey that should never have happened. Yeah. And it's like, if you just be like, okay, take a deep breath, figure it out. Like, Talk yourself away from the ball, even. Next thing you know, you're bogeying. That's a stroke or two that a 10 can save. Right. Or a 15 can save. And it's like, it's my goal 
to never get out of control on a course. Like that's my good. Like don't get out of control. Like stay within the moment. Okay. You hit a dumb shot. Okay. Fine. There have been plenty of times I hit a dumb shot. I was just at the Nebraska mid am. I hit a. I didn't hit a great shot. I pulled it, and I'm in just a bunch of gunch. Like the worst situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought I could get it out. I didn't because it grabbed my club and it. And then I was in a worse situation. What do I do? I try. I, I take my time. I try to hit it out. I I don't whiff, but like there's so much stuff. Guess what happens? I take a triple bogey when I should have birdied it. Mm-hmm. I should have birdied it. And and I and I I did something dumb. I could have folded. And and I was like, okay, bro, like that sucked. Mm-hmm. Like I had to talk to myself a little. And I didn't play unreal going in, but the last seven holes or whatever, I played one under. Like, how do you respond in adversity, man? I had so mm-hmm. much adversity in football. Like, I want to do the same thing how I responded to that adversity in golf. And I really think it translates so much because so many people, they have adversity. If they look back on the round, like anyone listening to this, if you just went out and shot an 87 and you were playing pretty decent and probably could have shot 81, 82, just think back on your round. There were a couple just dumb mistakes. And and that's what it is. And, and that's the other thing. That's I've gotten significantly better from a five to being a plus four. But it's also understanding the game, understanding how to shoot scores. A lot of my understanding how to shoot scores is just not getting out of control. I used to, bro, I love golf. I will get mad at myself. I used to like hit the club on the ground or throw it. And it's like, I I, I don't think, and I'm fine with anger, but like, I don't think that's going to make me hit the next shot better. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly tame on the course now. So do you think that's what, I'm trying to think of what do you think the best jump to unpack is? Do you think the biggest jumps were from like a five to a scratch? Do you think the biggest jump is from a scratch to a plus four? And are these, are these jumps very like, are they as simple as what you're saying where it's playing smarter, not going on tilt and understanding your game so that you play within your dispersion, kind of like the decade stuff or like, I, so I think I think us understand those differences. I think it's all, um, it's all the above, but the thing, so I'll be honest, man. I remember, and I still, to this day, remember people saying like, I was like, yeah, I want to get to a scratch. They're like, oh yeah. Yeah. But it's tough to keep it. Wait till you get there. Think of keeping it. And I'm like, <laughs> are you my NFL GM? You know, like doubting me? Yeah. I get down to like a zero and then I get into the pluses or something the next year. And they're like, oh yeah. But <laughs> you, you like imagine like I've been there. Like it's hard to keep it there. And it's like, huh? So like every time people like, I feel like it's a challenge mm-hmm. or I remember someone um publicly said oh yeah i don't know like all, and people like kind of were talking about how i would 
get press because I was trying to play golf or whatever. And like, uh, it's only because he played football. Mm. And it's like, huh, is it? And so, I mean, I don't want to make it about taking receipts, but I hear those things and, and that drove me, man. Mm. Like, and I'm convinced now after going through it, that it's not as hard as everyone says. Mm. What do you think we're making too hard? I think what we're doing is you hear those things and everyone in the world hears those things. So they start believing it. People always say, Hey, what would you tell my eighth graders? Or what would you tell my high schoolers? I would tell your high schoolers. I would tell golfers. I would tell anyone that's doing anything. Don't listen to anybody. Like, don't listen to any like negative that people just say like, Oh, but it's going to be hard. Every time I heard that, I was like, so you don't think I can do that. Mm. And it's like, I want to do things that people say I can't do. Now, I know everyone's not wired like that, but it's like, if you start listening to that, because I could have just been like, oh, yeah, man, once I do get to the pluses, that's going to be hard to stay in the pluses. But but is it? (laughs) It is if you believe what they say. Yeah. There's too many people that are believing negative things that other people say about them. That's the honest. Or maybe what they say about themselves. Yes. And and it can be about what they say about themselves, but a lot of times it's someone that's saying it and then you believe it and start saying it to yourself Mm. because most of the time there's someone, even though they're trying to be kind, they're trying to say, Hey, don't get down on yourself, but it's hard to keep it. Why listen to that? Why listen to it? Because all that you already just, you have a negative mindset. Now you have a mindset that you can't do it. Like, why do that? Like, is there anything that helps if someone says, yeah, but now that you're plus one or plus two, plus two is a lot harder to keep that. Everyone has an excuse for every jump. Everyone does. Yeah. And then you, and then you get to that jump and you're like, it's really not a big deal. Like, is it going to continue to be harder to stay at a plus four or get to a plus five? I, yeah, I guess. I mean, you have to shoot scores, but like, is it any harder? I, I don't. I don't know if it is. Everything, it's your talent, your um, golf IQ, your everything. As you rise, everything else rises, right? Mm-hmm. As I've got right now, my knowledge of my game at a plus four is so much better than it was when I was a five. How so? Like, like just where to miss it what to do, make sure so many amateurs, what do they do? They never play enough club ever. Mm-hmm. You're 150 yards out. Yeah. One time last June, I hit pitching wedge 150. So, I mean, that's probably my 150 club now. Yeah. Oh, are we also not going to talk about it being a hundred degrees? It was a flyer or a lie out of the rough and it was downwind. Oh, and it was three yards downhill. Right. That's not your club, bro. Yeah. You're in the fairway. Yeah. It's level. It's a crosswind. Bro, that's probably your 130 to 135 club. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We like I don't do that anymore. I used to like that's what I used to do. My dad, love him to death. We'll be in 
and this is my teacher coach that comes out. I'll be like, so what are you hitting here? I was like, is this your 135 club? He goes, yeah, I can't. I go, like, how often do you hit it? 135. Well, if I do hit it, I was like, how often do you flush it? Not often. Maybe right. go two clubs up. Right. You know what I'm saying? As long yeah. as it's not a pin that's four yards from the back and it drops off 15 yards. Right. But most right. AMs, you're not playing those, you're not playing those courses. You know what's so interesting about what you're saying is it's the combination of intensity. So my co-host who couldn't join us today, yeah. we did an episode a couple weeks ago. He played D1 college at Missouri State and one of the top amateurs growing up in Illinois. And we unpacked our best rounds as a seven and a plus for him yeah, and our worst rounds. And it was pretty consistent. Our best rounds, we had a ton of intensity around each shot of exactly what we're trying to do, where we want to go. We're talking out what we want to do which by the way, helps keep out any of the negative and doubt stuff. Sure. You're so focused on what you're doing. And by the way, what you explained is that it's kind of taking the grit mentality of what you had in football, but to every yeah. shot, but the beautiful combination that you have, it seems like is you're not identifying with your mistakes and you're not compounding mistakes. So you're very um, matter of fact, like the shot is the shot. That's not Danny. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of us, myself included, have experienced challenges where you a bad shot happens or a bad nine happens or a bad round happens, and it's Evan, I yeah. suck. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and the thing is, too, you gotta understand, not you, but I'm saying like yeah. myself, you gotta understand the the outcome of your shot. You can hit a terrible shot and be okay. You can hit a really good shot, get a bad bounce. Mm-hmm you kind of have to be okay with the outcome regardless. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. okay, I hit that shot. Oh yeah, I did pull it. And I, and I, and I did pull it. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe get your bag, carry it to the next shot and play the next shot. Like, don't just like, Oh you man. You know what's funny, I, Danny? It's hard to do that unless you have faith that things are going to unfold as they're supposed to a bit. Right. right? And so that that kind of aligns really nicely with your whole arc and story of yeah. like you became wired to embrace whatever unfolded and you yep. embrace being coming out of nowhere, which is, you know, the title of your podcast. Yeah. You you lived with a sense of almost wonder of like, I wonder what will come from this. You're not mm -hmm. you're not pressing to try and make X and Y happen. Yeah. You're giving the moment your best, but you're okay with what happens. So that combination with your intensity and your desire to learn and gain your knowledge, because so much I feel like of the golf swing is understanding what you do. And it's a very hard thing to understand because it, yeah. feeling real is so different. Well, and everyone's swing is so different, right? right? And it's funny you say the wonder because that's what it was when I retired is I told my wife, I want to see how good I can get. I didn't know how good. I mean, I I was pretty confident in myself that if I did something full bore, I was going to get all right. Yeah. Right. And, and, the, and the thing is, that can also be like, oh, yeah, he's not very competitive then. 
I want to rip everyone's throat out that I'm playing against. Mm. I do. Not like literally, but figuratively. But you're thinking about the way they're playing. You want to beat them. No, I want to beat them. I mean, do I care about my, like, I understand that I can only control what I can control and that's my game. Right. But like what I control is how I play and I'm hoping that I beat them down. Like, does it happen all the time? No, a lot of I mean, it's golf. A lot of times it doesn't happen, right? Right. But like my focus, like yes, the wonder. I'm okay with the results at the end of the day. But let's not like I am as in, as intense. I feel like of a human being as like my business partner always says. He goes, "You are on another level." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Your focus," because he caddies for me. Sucks at golf great dude but he he literally tells me he goes some of the stuff that you did not not this is not i'm so great but he's just like the way you focus because sometimes if you think of wonder and you're like everything's you know gonna work out how it's yes but i was born with a competitive spirit Mm -hmm. being fierce being intense and for every for four and a half to five hours of a tournament round, because unfortunately that's how long it takes in tournaments and sometimes longer, I am all in and I am going to do everything I can to beat you down. Yeah. At the end, I'll live with it because that's not who I am. But I am going to put all of my energy into being as great as I can be. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny about that is you could argue some people are are wired this way. Some people aren't, but I would ask everybody a question before we sign off here. Think about playing with that mentality versus think about playing with the mentality, fear of embarrassment, not wanting to Mm. mess up, feeling like a failure. Like those things are all valid feelings. Yeah. But to your point, that's not going to serve you the whole round. Think about the energy of what goes into a golf swing with the mentality of, I want to beat everybody. That's an yeah. offensive mindset. Uh, w- without a yeah. doubt. And, and the thing is, there's are there times when, like, when I had that eight the other day, I was like, you are a complete moron. Mm-hmm. Like, that was dumb. Now, some people, like, I would not encourage that. Talking but to I yourself would say like that's that. better than saying I suck. Yes. That was I, a dumb I, yeah. play, right? Yes, it was a dumb play. Like, what were you doing? Yeah. And my thing is, I also a good friend of mine, he's a sports psychologist. He doesn't find many people like that. That's how I deal with it. And right. and it's out of like self-deprecation as in funny. Some people believe that when they say it, I wouldn't encourage that to most people, but he like, to me, it's funny making fun of myself yeah. and it gets me in the, like I'm different. Everyone's a little bit different, but maybe that keeps you light a little bit. It too. It does keep me light. When we were in the, when we had a two minute drive at the end of the game and we had to score, I'd go, I'd go into the huddle and I'd look at the offensive line because they were a lot of my best friends. They're mm-hmm. my guys. Mm-hmm. I go, let's do something weird on this drive. And they're just make some laugh or like, it's the way that I keep, like it gets me in my like groove. Mm-hmm. When I'm on the course, I don't take my, I, I am intense, but like, I don't take myself too serious. I love to joke. I love to make fun of myself. I don't believe the stuff that I say, 
but I, it's a yeah. way to get other people comfortable and that relaxes me. Yeah. It's like a little extra swagger, you know, it, to compete like it, that. Ex exactly. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. Then we'll get yeah. you out of here. Um, either something we've talked about today that you want to reiterate and really hammer home for the 10 handicap out there or the yeah. aspiring high performing amateur or something that we haven't had a chance to talk about that you think has been a real key to you in your golf game or success in general that you want to finish on. Um, since it's people that I'm guessing most people that are listening, love the game and want to get better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this sounds stupid, but do the little things and there should never be an excuse. Like, cause this is what I live by like in the NFL, like do ever do all the little things. Don't make an excuse why you suck. Don't make an excuse why you're a 12 and not a 10. Like mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't make an excuse. Cause number one, it's dumb. And, and, and two, it's like, just do the little things. And, and what's the little things? I don't know. I don't care if you have hardwood. I don't care if you have carpet. If you want to, you can actually hit five putts a day. That's not hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not hard. I, when I've talked to people about their swing, they're like, oh, I just can't hit balls. You, you don't have to hit balls. Just pick up a club every day and maybe have 20 to 30 intentional swings. I mm -hmm. guarantee everyone that is in that realm is going to get better. I promise you. So it's like do little things and like just don't make excuses because if you really want to get better, you 15 handicap, you'll get better if you want to. Mm -hmm. Like you 100%. Well, I don't have time. Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, you you could literally pick up a club and just feel the weight of the club. And if you do that every day, you're more familiar with the club head. I know that sounds stupid, but like you're more familiar with it. Mm -hmm. The more if I in the off season wasn't running a route, but like this is crazy, but I'd like kind of go through the release of my route. Just the first part. Do you think that hurt me or helped me? My guess is it helped me mm -hmm. because th the more that you practice just different things, you're not going to get worse at it. If I practice, I, I remember when I was coming off injured years or whatever, if I'd go up the stairs and I, I would, this sounds stupid, but I would like, kind of run up the stairs if I need to get something in my room, I would think of exploding and running up two steps instead of one step. Do you think that got me a worse in my explosion? I don't think so. Mm. Like, yeah. and when I'm saying I don't think so, I, 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 I know it didn't. I remember being in our master bedroom, practicing routes. Did it get me a ton better? Probably not. But if it got me 0.012% better, that's better than before. So yeah. do little things that aren't time-consuming. You have kids? Oh, maybe back in the day when I was playing in San Diego and I sucked at golf, 
I was chipping in my backyard with one of my kids on my back in a baby Bajorn. <laughs> like that didn't get me worse. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it can just be, it can be very, very dumb, small things that maybe take up three minutes. It's not getting you worse. And if you're at the 15, 12, just getting familiar with it is not going to hurt you. Sorry, that was long winded, but no, like, it's good. I think what you're saying too is like it's kind of that how you do one thing is how you do everything type yeah. mentality, right? Yes. Love it. Well, Danny, this was great. At Team Woody39. Yep. On Instagram, out of nowhere podcast. We'll have to have you back because I feel like the first episode or the first interview with someone, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. We could go deep on a million Anytime. things. Anytime, but let me know. This was great. So thanks so much for hopping aboard, my man. Hey, you got it. Hey, guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to The Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.